Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of October 7th through the 9th, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. I just got back from a vacation with my family out of state, which was eventful to say the least. Uh, we got a flat tire on the way up, about a half mile or so from our Airbnb, thankfully. So we're able to, you know, we, we inflate the tire with the repair kit and get there. But then we spent the whole next day indoors wrangling with the rental company to get us a replacement car. Luckily, we were able to do so, and then we were able to go out and explore the area. And you know, it's always t- fun to spend time with family. Uh, we were even able to, you know, in that time we were stuck at home, uh, watch Sound of Music again since we were up in Stowe, Vermont which is where the Von Trapp family settled in the States after climbing every mountain. Uh, it also helps that it was for another episode of my Best Picture Marathon podcast, which will come out next month, but that'll be in a little bit of a while. In the meantime, though, let's go ahead and get into this past weekend's box office number, shall we? Now, despite there being two new wide releases this weekend, the first place this weekend went to horror film Smile with a stunning, absolutely stunning 18% drop in 3,659 theaters for a total of $18.4 million and a per theater average of $50.46. This domestic total is $50.7 million and globally it's at $92.1 million so far. Insane how good this second week drop is. It is the 53rd best second week drop of all time of films that were admitted to at least 3,000 theaters and includes the two, 20 films that actually gained week over week, so of films that lost, it's the 33rd best film. It's right between Fellowship of the Ring and A Little Woman from a couple years ago. Uh, for comparison, this year, Top Gun Maverick had a 29% second week drop, and Paramount's other horror film of the year, Scream, had a 59% drop. Now, technically, everything, ever all at once did have a better uh, week uh, week over week for its second week, um, you know, gaining, uh, gaining uh, due, due to being, in, but it started in super limited theaters and actually gained theaters week over week. Um, you know, the, the next most recent film would probably be be Sing 2 late last December that had a 10% drop in its second week, but that has the benefit of being a kids' movie and also releasing during the holiday season, which always has better legs. The only other October films I could find that have a better drop were Puss in Boots back in 2011 with an impressive 3% drop, and then Argo in 2012 with a 15.5% drop. Honestly, what makes this even more impressive is that Spile is a horror film, and those always have steeper drops, right? Like, you know, it's not uncommon to see 60% drops for most horror films. A 40% drop is pretty good for a horror film, and here we have 18%. Um, you know, technically the, the, technically, the closest one I can think of with a wide release uh, is um, Get is Get Out, um, which, but, you know, that had a generational hype behind it, right? I think that was all somewhere in the 15% range, and also technically open to just under 3,000 theaters. So at this point, it's a very real possibility that Smile ends up hitting that $100 million mark for the year. Uh, remember, its budget was only $17 million, so that's super impressive. Talking up to word of mouth, and there's some pretty clever marketing from Paramount. They just can't help themselves from winning this year. Apparently, they're going all out with promos for this week to uh, 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 promote uh, seeing the film, including reduced prices uh, this past Monday and Tuesday, a collector's print on Wednesday, and a limited edition NFT on Thursday, which apparently is still a thing. Uh, Anyway, moving to our new openers. In second place, we had Lyle L. Crocodile from Sony, the latest in CG Animal Takes New York City film, with 11.4 million in 4,350 theaters for a per theater average of $2,621. This comes in a bit under the 15 million that Box Office Pros had forecast, and under last year's 16.6 million opening for Clifford the Big Red Dog. Now, despite the lack of family-friendly fare since DC League of Super Pets, um, I thought this would have done better, but I still am confident this one will probably leg it out over the next month and a half or so 
to pretty decent numbers. Uh, word of mouth is that it uh, it has a pretty decent uh, A minus cinema score, and while it has 70% for critics, it does have a 94% audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Budget here was $50 million, so totally doable to catch up there. Um, also, completely side, another side note, but apparently the directors on this one are working on a musical adaptation of the Oregon game, the Oregon Trail video game. And somehow they got the, the songwriting duo Paul Pasek and Paul, who not only did this movie for La La Quacadal, but also The Greatest Showman to work on it. Uh, somehow, you know, this team's uh, craziest musical film is not uh, a singing crocodile, but, you know, The Oregon Trail. Uh, anyway, number three, we have another new opener, though with an $80 million budget, it, this was definitely a flop. Uh, Amsterdam is the latest entry from David O. Russell with a huge cast, uh, Kristen Bale, um, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Taylor Swift, uh, with a huge cast you know, from the 20th Century Studios. Despite all of that cast, though, it was only able to open the $6.4 million in 3,005 theaters for a per theater average of 2,145. Another $3.4 overseas puts it at about $9.8 million worldwide, well sort of that $80 million production budget and you know the about you know what call it a 160 or, or even 200 million to break even um i mean you know looking at look, looking at what he's done for his past film i mean his films maybe right his best films back in the heyday you know what 15 years ago at this point and maybe topped at the 250 million worldwide so frankly i think 80 million was just too much to give him in the first place here um especially given that you know he had the whole me too situation around him i get they were trying to maybe you know with his whodunit replicate the success of knives out but clearly this wasn't it uh, cinema score here was merely a B, and critics and audience did not like it at all, with a 33% from critics, 59% from audiences. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't help that it also got moved, while it did move up from, you know, November to avoid classing with Black Panther 2 next month, you know, I, I would imagine something closer to the winter much is a much more apt period for a whodunit. So, um, yeah, this will be lucky to make back even $40 million domestically, I think. Uh, in number four, we have The Woman King in its fourth weekend, holding on to a respectable 24% drop in 3,342 theaters to 5.2 million for a per theater average of 4,549 and 54 million to date domestically. Another 10 million overseas brings it total to 64 million worldwide, which is technically past its $50 million production budget, but still, I think, a far cry from profitability. It would, will have a more international rollout in the coming weeks, though I think at best it gets to $100 million, uh, uh, $100 million worldwide, maybe $70 million domestically. Uh, fifth place goes for the unfortunate Don't Worry Darling, dropping 49% in its third weekend to $3.5 million in 3,324 theaters for a per theater average of $1,053 and a running total of $38.4 million. Another $30 million overseas is actually not bad, puts it at $69 million, nice. Um, it does have a $35 million production budget, so um, you know the low budget here is the saving grace, which is going to keep it, at the very least, break-even. Uh, looking at ranks 6 through 10, you know, Avatar continues its release one with another 2.7 million in 2040 theaters, a per theater average of 1,339. Barbarian in its fifth weekend, 22% drop, running total of $36 million. Bros tumbled really hard in the second weekend down, with a 56% drop off of the, what, 4.8 million opening, down to only 2.1 million this weekend. At this pace, it's going to end up sort of uh, Easter Sunday, which is not where you want to be. Uh, Pinion Selvan Part 2 dropped fairly steeply to less than a million dollars, but in only 500 theaters, that's still a 
of 1800 per theater average. And then Top Gun Maverick has hit 220 weeks, 20 weeks in the top 10, which is absolutely insane. Um, I, I just probably gonna get knocked out next week, but hey, still salute to you for, for Top Gun for flying this high. Also, fun fact, uh, this is also the first weekend all year without a superhero movie in the top 10 uh, since DC League of Super Pens dropped down to number 13 with only $531,000, currently sitting at $92.5 million to date domestically. Uh, speaking of, you know, these $90 million movies, uh, where the quad that's hit $90 million, uh, making only $60,000 this weekend, so probably won't get to that $100 million mark, but still way better than I would have expected initially. Outside the top 10, uh, you know, we have some limited releases that are relevant to Oscar season. Uh, there's the limited horror, well, first one's not quite, but there's the limited horror film Terrifier 2, $805,000 and $886 theaters for a $909 per theater average. Um, not you know, the biggest film out there, but given that it's a horror film and given that it's not attached to a major studio, not bad, frankly speaking. Um, but as far as the real Oscar favorites, we have, you know, Tar, which is Focus Features, two-hour and 38-minute film starring Kate Blanchett, directed by Todd Field, about a German composer and conductor launching in four theaters to a 39.6 thousand per theater average. Now, this is about $10,000 short of uh, Everything Ever All at Once $50,000 opening from earlier this year, and like it was pizza by comparison to 86000 last year, but still... Uh, not not too bad start for her campaign for Best Actress. Also setting sail this weekend was Triangle of Sadness uh, from Neon, the Palme d'Or winner, which launched in 10 theaters to a 21,000 per theater average. Tar is currently at 96% critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 68% audiences. Uh, and I'm pretty curious to see if uh, 21,000 per theater average is enough for Tar to get Best Picture. Actress is pretty locked, I think, but historically pre-pandemic, films that had both Best Picture and Best Actress nominations had at least 80,000 per theater average in limited release with the only exception in recent memory being Meryl Streep's The Post, uh, which opened to 53,000 per theater average. 21,000 is far below those numbers. So, you know, granted, we are post-pandemic, and, you know, the if there is a segment of the market that has been hurt the most by pandemic and still needs to recover, it's probably the art house scene. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see if this is able to get to Best Picture or not. Um, I would have my doubts on it, but I still think Best Actress is in play here. Meanwhile, for Triangle of Sadness, you know, this is better than the previous Golden Palm winner, Tatan, which didn't even open to $1,000 per theater average, though that was in uh, during the pandemic um, and in more theaters. But it also comes nowhere close to Parasite's 130000 per theater average, uh, which is the top 20 weekends of all times. Um, while it does have pretty good reviews, 77, 74% critics, 87% audience on Rotten Tomatoes, um, I think with, this, with these box office numbers, I think its best picture chances are somewhat muted at this point. Uh, overall, the weekend dipped a bit below $60 million to $59 million for the weekend. This coming weekend, we'll see if Smile can hold off Halloween ends. Uh, not likely, uh, it is, even if it will be debuting on Peacock um, for spooky season. Uh, Box Office Pros has Halloween ends at $37 to $47 million opening. Um, the previous reboot Halloween films opened to $76 million in 2018, and Halloween Kills to $49 million last year. Uh, in limited release, we have another Best Actress potential film, Till, as well as the Korean entry for international film, uh, Decision to Leave, from director Park Chan-wook. Uh, overseas, the big story is the continued re-release of Avatar with $23 million domestic, $49 million overseas for $72 million total. Meanwhile, Ticket to, to Paradise so far sits at $60.6 million before its domestic release on the 21st. Over in China, Homecoming is still the number one film, adding another $21 million to its $161 million total after two weekends, but still, the Chinese market is definitely depressed versus last year. 
Uh, Headline-wise, we do have some details about Netflix's theatrical release of Knives Out uh, sequel, Glass Onion, which also has some Oscar potential. They had promised a theatrical release sometime in November before its December 23rd Netflix streaming release. However, it turns out the release is not is only going to be for a single week from November 23rd through the 29th before leaving the 600 theaters is going to be ending up. And though, granted, those theaters do include AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, which is kind of a first uh, for a Netflix film to be showing there. Of course, they don't plan on sharing the box office numbers during this period, and they're calling this a sneak peek of the film rather than, you know, a full release. Uh, I mean, I get that their business model is to get people to to see the film on Netflix where, where, they, where they make their money, but I think from a buzz-building perspective, they really want to run a good campaign here. It just seems pretty anti-hype to give it to you in Thanksgiving, take it away, not really give anyone a chance to see it, except, I think, at their own and operated theaters, um, which, you know, I think are maybe like two of them in the in the country. So, um, yeah, not not what I would, not what I would do. But again, again, I do definitely do have a bias for theaters. Um, Glass Onion will also have a UK release with View and Cineworld, and I mean, I still have my tickets to go see it in theaters uh, opening night here in New York. So it works out for me. Uh, moving over to Disney, with the Blade director stepping away from the project, as we reported last week, it looks like Disney will be pushing back a number of titles. Um, probably not just because of Blade. I imagine there are other reasons going on with scenes, but definitely for Blade, they have to find a new director. Uh, from the original November 3rd, 2023 release date, release date, they are pushing Blade back to the start of Phase 6, or maybe the end of Phase 5, um, after the Thunderbolts on the September... Uh, they're moving it to September 6, 2024. That was the same date that uh, Deadpool 3 was announced, um, so that has been pushed back a couple months to November 8th, 2024. Uh, this pushes the Fantastic Four movie back to this February 14th, 2025. Um, they are still keeping Kang Dynasty May 25th, um, but they did end up pushing back Secret Wars from November 2025 to May 2026, uh, with untitled dates in no July and November 2025, and untitled movies uh, for 2026 in February, July, and November, in addition to the May uh, uh, Secret Wars movie. Um, that does have a noticeable gap, actually, with uh, with Blade leaving in November, uh, with a gap between May 2020, uh, with, with um, I believe, uh, July, um, uh, I think it's uh, July 2023 uh, with the Marvels, and then July 2020, and, and then May 2024 uh, with Captain America New World Order almost a year later. So, yeah, that's definitely the news on the Marvel side of things. Um, over on the 20th century and, and Searchlight side of things from Disney, some new dates as well. Uh, Biopic Savalier uh, launches April 7, 2023. Uh, the next Hercule Poirot film uh, uh, titled A Haunting in Venice, starring Tina Fey, Jamie Dornan, Michelle Yeoh, Jude Hill, and, of course, uh, must-ask Kenneth Branagh is sent for a September 15, 2023 release date, uh, which, you know, given the, the, the relative lack of success of uh, Death on the Nile, is, is you know, seems they, they were happy enough with it. Um, and then Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is set for a May 24, 2024 release date. Uh, we also have word that Wall East director Andrew Stanton is going to work on an ambitious sci-fi drama called In the Blink of an Eye for Searchlight. Uh, hopefully it does better than John Carter. Uh, other new dates from Warner Brothers, uh, in addition to uh, some messy nonsense regarding their ad business with more layoffs on the way, we did get a new release date for Dune Part 2. It is taking that November 3rd, 2023 slot off of its moving up from the November 17th release date, uh, which does, you know, given that Blade just moved exited that, I think as, uh, you know, it's quick moving by the team over at Legendary. Uh, meanwhile, there are also rumors that the pre-sales for Black Adam aren't looking so hot and could potentially end up with a 50, sub-$50 $50 million opening, though this also does seem like the film that will be benefit a lot from walk-ups more so than other films. Meanwhile, over at Universal, M. Night Shyamalan has another film dated for April 5, 2024. Uh, given that his last four films with Universal have grossed $713 million worldwide, no reason to stop a good thing going there. And then, of course, we have the Super Mario 
uh, Brothers movie trailer released this last weekend at New York Comic Con. Frankly, I was kind. Of, I when I saw it, I was impressed with Zach Black as the Bowser. The world they built in was pretty cool. Not so hot on, on Chris Pratt as Mario, but hey, what can you do? And then finally, the president and CEO of the National Association of Theater Owners, John Fithina, is retiring after two decades at the top of the org, I believe 30 years working for the company through the midst of the pandemic, uh, including getting the $15 billion COVID relief bill, as well as helping launch National Cinema Day this year. So uh, shout out to him for his career uh, and his retirement. Uh, and with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Super ideas for what else you said, I think I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at zealand.com or on Twitter at B-O-Watchpodcast. As well as on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a fan or at the very least tell a friend any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, which I may make not only this show but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all of that in our show notes. Numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com, into an outro music from Kevin MacLeod and Compton of Filmation.io. Editing production by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.